The University of Arkansas Fort Smith is looking to the future and starting to chart its course for the next five years. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Know the News podcast, a production of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette Newsroom. I'm Dave Perosic, your host this week. Most people, when they hear University of Arkansas, naturally think of the flagship campus in Fayetteville. About an hour south, however, is the often overlooked but still very significant U of A Fort Smith. Thomas Ascente, one of our reporters in the River Valley, has written a story set to publish this weekend focused on UA Fort Smith and the five-year strategic plan that the school is working on. Thomas is with us today. Hey, Thomas. Thanks for being here. Hello, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. I'm also pleased to have with us Dr. Teresa Riley, who's now in her fourth year as chancellor of the University of Arkansas Fort Smith. Dr. Riley, thanks so much for taking time to talk with us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, I thought I'd start with you, Dr. Riley. Um, would like you to just start by talking briefly about your school. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with it, how would you describe it? What makes it unique? What makes it stand out in your opinion? Well, thank you. I could talk all day about what makes UA Fort Smith the, I think, best regional public university, not only in the state, but in our whole region. This institution, founded in 1928, began as a very strong community college. It had a great deal of prestige in that realm, but ultimately the needs in the River Valley began to change and shift toward the need for leadership positions and organizations, um, business acumen, et cetera. And we began as a four-year institution with a change in our role and scope about 22 years ago. During that time, we've created curriculum to meet the needs within our communities and ultimately have extremely strong bachelor's programs. In fact, more students graduate with a bachelor's than a a two-year degree. And ultimately, we've begun a role and scope change to add master's programs. We have two so far and we're looking to add additional master's programs in the near future. So from my perspective, this institution has never lost sight of what we do well, which is to educate students who are really career ready in our community for the jobs that we have available for them, hoping they stay here and keep that intellectual capital right here in the River Valley. But we also know that um, as an institution, we we serve students who are um, in the lower quartiles of socioeconomics, and so more than 50% of our students are first-generation college students. More than 50% are Pell Grant eligible. So it's been incredibly important for this institution to provide access and opportunities for those students, and we do so by staying the most affordable four-year degree-granting program in the state. So that's a little bit of a glimpse into who we are. Uh, Thomas, uh, already touched on it, but could you summarize the story you've written for this weekend and kind of give us a sneak preview of that? Well, uh, Dave, uh, this is kind of an introductory type of story. The uh, university, uh, from what I understand, is in the early stages of putting its uh, strategic plan together and uh, hope this will be the first of uh, uh, multiple stories um, as it goes, as the university continues in this uh, 
uh, in this process. Um, Tori was born out of a conversation that Dr. Riley and I had uh, a few weeks ago about her goals for the upcoming academic year. And uh, she and I had uh, spoken for uh, close to an hour, actually, about all kinds of different uh, uh, topics, you know, things that uh, uh, she predicted for this uh, coming year and things she'd hoped to accomplish. And uh, she mentioned in that conversation that one of her goals was to create a, a, a new strategic plan, you know, going from 2023 through 2028, you know, seeing as how the university's current strategic plan, which began in 2017, runs through the end of this year. And so this story uh, basically talks about introductory part of, uh, of uh, putting the plan together, which basically involves um, soliciting uh, feedback from a wide variety of stakeholders, both uh, within the university and without, basically how the university has uh, begun that process. And we, we are currently under a five-year strategic plan, as you mentioned, yes. that uh, started in 2017. Um, there were four strategic initiatives identified in that plan, and I'm not going to go run through all of them, but um, the first one was to increase enrollment, retention, and graduation rates of UAFS students. Uh, Dr. Riley, how would you evaluate how the university has performed in that regard? You're right. The university's strategic plan will come to conclusion in 2022. And one of our top priorities was to increase our enrollment. Of course, we always want to educate more Arkansans. We know that roughly, um, well, in the past, it's been about 48% of high school graduates go on to post-secondary education. So that leaves us with 52% of those students who need to consider what their career trajectories will be. And ultimately, bringing more of them into post-secondary education is a great first start. So from our institution's perspective, when that particular strategy was created, most of the elements, the strategies or tactics, really have been implemented. The problem is, when it was created, no one could anticipate a pandemic. And ultimately, we have a number of students who've chosen, in fact, the, the number of people going to post-secondary education has dropped considerably during the pandemic. Now only 44% are going to post-secondary education. That could be for a wide variety of reasons. It could be that they leave high school and don't feel that they are prepared. After the pandemic and being remote uh, or virtual in their learning, they might not feel prepared to go on to college. They may also be working. We've seen a dramatic uptick in the salaries provided by a lot of our local employers. And so ultimately we have students across our state who may have chosen to go on to work versus to college. So we have not, in my opinion, met the outcome that we had hoped for increasing our enrollment. Um, we have put in a number of strategies to try to increase that enrollment now that we are coming back out of that pandemic and virtual learning environment. Ultimately, we did choose a, um, a customer resource management software called Slate that we utilize to connect with students where they are. We're communicating with them on a personal basis, making sure that when we do communicate, it's in the, the format that they want, often in text messaging as reminders to do certain things, to apply for college, to apply for financial aid, et cetera. We've also increased the number of recruiters that we have in our admissions office. We have hired a new director of admissions. We've um, created a new web platform. So ultimately, many of the things that we knew we needed to do from 2017 to 22, we've implemented those things. I think that's why we've seen such an uptick 
and student um, engagement on our campus, while we've seen an uptick in the number of students applying for admission here, we also, in that period of time, instituted a, um, an admission standard. Prior to my arrival, we were an open admission university. And what that meant was anyone could apply. And ultimately, we were likely to admit all of the students who applied. We have put in admission standards so that we have basically two categories of admission now. One is an automatic admission to the institution where your grades, your scores on um, standardized tests, et cetera, will leave you being completely admitted right out of the gate. We also have another core group of students who will receive admission to the institution as Lion Scholars. Those are individuals who need additional resources to be successful here, and ultimately that will help with our retention rates on our campus. We've also begun to dig into policies and procedures on campus that we know could often put barriers in the way of our students, and we never want that to happen because we've put in some policy we think is helpful when it really is not. So we're reviewing every policy, procedure, um, customer service for our students, ultimately no stone unturned to make sure that as many students who want to be here can be, and that students, once they arrive, are not taking out debt and leaving after a year with nothing to show for it. In my mind, that's you know, a critical failure in higher education in, and somewhat unethical to enroll people who truly cannot be successful in this environment. And so we have our new enrollment standards. We've worked with our local and regional school districts to make sure that they're aware of those new categories for enrollment and what additional support we're providing for students um, in those perhaps lower GPAs, say a 2.25 GPA to a 3.0 in high school. How can we help them to still be successful in college? And not to dwell too much on enrollment, but what, what is um, your enrollment looking like this fall? And and how does that compare it to last year? And yeah, um, so we've just received from the Arkansas Division of Higher Education some preliminary um, enrollment data not certified by them at this point. I can open that up and, and tell you a bit more about those numbers. Um, let's just let me get it out. It literally came last night. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, wow. So, our preliminary enrollment numbers for the institution, we are pretty flat with last year. Um, and so, it looks like we've enrolled 5,360 students. So, mm -hmm. where that lies in total from last year, we're down 1.6% overall. But we are up in freshman enrollment by about 3%. Okay. okay. So a little bit of a mixed bag. Right. Um, exactly. So one of the things that is important in higher education to remember is that enrollment will decline when you actually graduate more students. So you have to bring more students in on the front end of your admissions pipeline in order to have them stay as continuing students. So once those students get to graduation, and one of our goals, of course, is always to get them to graduation, especially for bachelor's degree, within four years. So as we increase those numbers, because we've worked on retention, because we've worked on continuing student success to graduation, we'll start to see an inverted tunnel of these students within their persistence, where we bring in students on the front end, maybe in lower numbers because of the pandemic, but more students are graduating and going out into jobs. I feel like we're in that cycle right this minute because we brought in fewer students over the last couple of years due to the pandemic. But now that our freshman classes increased, 
I think we'll start to see this inverse happening where more and more students are here um, through to graduation. What would you say, um, looking at the current strategic plan as a whole, how has that worked for the university? And, uh, you know, what's your overall evaluation of how the university has done living up to those goals? Yeah, really, I think it's really positive. The people who work here don't ever lose sight of the fact that we have these goals. We have a mission and a vision for what we will become as an institution. And part of the um, real requirement of an institution like ours, a regional public institution, is to remember how we serve the region. It isn't just about educating career-ready students, although that's a, a major part of what we do. We also um, look at what our role is in economic development within our community. That is another one of the goals that we have is to make sure that we are aligning what we do within our academic programs and our service to our community with the economic development of this community. So we have really celebrated over the past year the founding of, and truly this is one of its kind, the UAFS Center for Economic Development in Fort Smith. That center is a major accomplishment for our institution, truly coming to fruition. One of the, the goals that we had as we began this process, creating this center is um, it's really a center of excellence. When the governor came at our grand opening and he said, there is nothing like this in the state of Arkansas and it is incredibly comprehensive in its service to economic development, I thought that quote was perfect. <laughs> it perfectly described what we're doing in that location. So the Center for Economic Development is at the Bakery District, which is downtown Fort Smith. We understand that to be in great um, collaboration with the Fort Smith Regional Chamber of Commerce, with local hotels, restaurants, and the convention center. They're all co-located. And ultimately, this center has three centers within it. Now, this may sound a bit like an alphabet soup, but let me tell you about each one of the three quickly, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, we have the UAFS, Arkansas Small Business and Technology Development Center, ASBTDC. So higher education loves acronyms. Um, so ASBTDC is the Arkansas Small Business Technology Development Center, where individuals in our community, within our region, not just Sebastian County, but Crawford and Scott counties individuals with ideas about products, services, want to be small business owners, or maybe they are small business owners, but they need some additional support. How do we um, manage to get bank loans? How do we negotiate leases for um, you know, storefront spaces? How do we protect the information that we receive from our clients in credit cards when we're using a point of sale device? Those are the types of training programs that the ASB TDC offers but they also really focus on um, minority and women-owned businesses, helping them to be successful in our communities, helping them to know how to do business, whether in our state or in uh, federal contracts. And so this center is located at the Center for Economic Development. Almost every program is free for individuals, plus we do individual consulting with people who have ideas for new businesses. So that's just one of the centers located there. The next is our Family Enterprise Center, that center really focuses on not only serving family businesses who have very unique challenges, but also it focuses on those businesses that serve family business. So that could be investments, insurance, banking, et cetera. And we understand how important it is for family-owned businesses 
to have other peers with whom they are working and learning and people that they can trust. So we have a tremendous number of peer groups, particularly involving the generational differences within family business. When I first met with our Family Enterprise Center peer groups, I heard a lot about how different the generations are approaching business, particularly in terms of marketing, communication, using digital media for that purpose. Um, it's a, a very different landscape now. And so they've added this new layer of communication to the Family Enterprise Center as a result. So I think they are incredibly flexible with how they serve families. Um, the third uh, kind of area within this center for um, economic development is our Center for Business and Professional Development, CBPD. Remember what I said, alphabet soup. So we often just call it the Center for Economic Development, understanding these things exist together. The Center for Business and Professional Development truly provides training and professional development at all levels of business. It is an incredible area where we have faculty members who are credentialed from our campus providing professional development for everyone from frontline workers, <clears throat> excuse me, frontline workers all the way to the CEO suite. They can do um, Lean Six Sigma training from white belt to black belt, and they can have people certified to teach that in their own companies looking for efficiencies and reduction of waste. It's incredibly important in manufacturing, which is where it began with Motorola, but now has come full circle and is even helpful in state and um, city business in university and school district business, just how do we take processes that we have and make them more lean? Where do we look for um, hurdles, as I described earlier, and get them out of the way so that people have a smoother time working through process? That uh, is just one of the areas that they train on. They do leadership training, um, figuring out how teams work together, um, personality profiles, again, to understand how to interact as a team and how to respect one another's differences, they do an awful lot in regard to frontline training as well. So everything from teaching OGNE linemen how to review um, electrical lines using uh, unmanned aerial systems and using that for uh, geographic locators and terrain um, reviews, tremendous opportunities for training in that. We also are doing training for industrial maintenance and technology. We often work with our local companies when they're first hiring brand new individuals who've never worked in the industry, and we're capitalizing on our great partnership with the Office of Skills Development in order to provide that training for free for brand new employees. So whether that's you know, how to work equipment within the, the centers where they're working, or if it's how to uh, manage their finances, how to get along with others and work as a team. All of those are components of some of the work that we do within that Center for Business and Professional Development. So that was a major goal of ours. It has come to fruition. It is incredibly busy and active. Uh, just yesterday I was there for both the Family Enterprise Center breakfast, and then we moved into hosting several committees of the Arkansas Legislature at that location and uh, doing some work and training with them. So. Just an awesome opportunity, and I'm so proud of it. Wow, a lot, a lot going on there. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, looking ahead to what's next, um, what would you what would you say about how this uh, ne next strategic plan um, is going? What's what's the process you have in mind okay. for writing that for 
uh, putting that together. Sure, absolutely. I think we're in sort of a two-prong effort at this point. One is, how do we close out this current strategic plan and celebrate our successes? I think it is important for every organization to celebrate the people and the accomplishments of those people. And so we are talking about how we celebrate the conclusion. That's not something I've often seen done in a big way, and I'd love to do that for our employees. They absolutely deserve it, especially accomplishing goals through the pandemic. It's been tremendous to see them do that. But in starting a brand new strategic plan, it is important to get information, hopes, dreams, thoughts, concerns from a variety of stakeholders. So we began with an internal group that um, really weighed in on our mission, vision, and values as an organization. What about those things describe us? Is that who we still are five years later? Um, is that what we want to do or accomplish five years later? Do our core values really capture what we as an organization value um, as individual members, but also collectively? And so that was a tremendous opportunity. Students, faculty, and staff all participated in this online session with the company, MGT, that we hired to facilitate this planning activity. The next phase of this, they are doing an environmental scan, looking at organizations that are either similar to ours or aspirational, other universities that we would emulate in the future. And after providing that environmental scan, they are trying to decide really um, putting the mission, vision, and values together, what they heard from that, and the environmental scan. What are the areas where we have opportunities and we're perhaps not capturing those opportunities in our current plan so that we can evaluate those for the future? The next stage of engagement um, is coming up very soon. So they will be hosting in October focus groups and individual interviews. So we are to provide them with lists of employees and students and external stakeholders. And that could really be everyone from parents of students to alumni of our organization to, of course, our business owners, school district leadership, um, yeah, the, the media, <laughs> people who know about us and um, can give input about where they see us having opportunities for growth. Alongside that, we understand that university strategic plans, creating them and having goals within them, truly it's not rocket science. Most of us know what it is that we are expected to do and produce, but it is about envisioning our future. So what are the areas academically where we have opportunities to grow, perhaps through creating new programs or through growth of our enrollment in the programs that we have in existence? We believe that there are a few areas that will come right out to the top. Uh, data analytics will, I think, be one of those. I honestly believe that our, our cooperation and coordination with the Arkansas Colleges of Health Education and the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences will mean that we will invest fairly heavily within the next five years in our STEM programs, science, technology, uh, engineering, and mathematics. We also uh, have a tremendous business college. So our College of Business and Industry serves not only students who have interest in bachelor's degrees in business administration with a variety of competencies within that, but also our industry programs are part of that college. Um, the College of Business has a, an AACSB accreditation. So for those not familiar with AACSB, it is the cream de la cream of any accreditation of a program in business across the globe. 
So only 5% of colleges of business receive AACSB accreditation, and we are one of them. So that means we meet the highest standards, not only in our pedagogy and our curriculum, but also in our research and scholarship within that college and our service to our community. So it is a, a tremendous asset that we hope to grow. We also have a College of Health, Education, and Human Sciences. In that college, we just announced that we received almost a $10 million gift from the Wingate Foundation to double the number of nurses that we produce on this campus. At this point, um, we have about 150 students who complete our nursing program in a BSN or accelerated BSN program annually. By the end of our strategic plan, we plan to have about 300 students that we graduate each year. That's a very difficult number to reach, usually because of the fact that it is very difficult to attract and retain nursing educators. So ultimately, this gift will allow us to pay competitive salaries, which should attract nursing educators. We have a ratio of one to 10, one faculty member to 10 students in our clinical experiences. And so that means a tremendous investment on the university's behalf. And we are really grateful to the Wingate Foundation, not only for agreeing with this as a, a priority for our community and a very desperate need within our hospitals and clinics, that our institution has an opportunity to provide that funding is um, you know, really special that they invested in our, our dream and our goal. Um, and that will be a major outcome of our next strategic plan um, as we come to fruition in 2028, which we didn't mention, but that is the 100th anniversary of this university. So it will be incredibly symbolic. I'm already starting to envision what that will look like and how we will be different. Yeah. That's a fun, fun anniversary. Um, yeah. Thomas, you've been covering the news in the River Valley now for a few years, I believe. Um, yes. Uh, and I know you've had several opportunities to write about UAFS during that time. In um, covering this particular story, was there anything that you learned that surprised you or anything you think would surprise our readers? Well, I think um, uh, Dr. Riley covered it to a certain extent. Uh, I was uh, pleasantly surprised uh, to learn the extent uh, to which the university is uh, currently seeking input in putting its strategic plan together. I, I knew that I had a feeling when, uh, doc when uh, uh, the topic of a strategic plan came up in a, my conver earlier conversation with Dr. Riley that the university would uh, attempt, would uh, solicit input from its uh, campus community somehow, because uh, in, in my past experience, uh, it's it, it, the university has a history of doing that. I'm old enough to remember uh, when uh, uh, the former chancellor, Paul Barron, had uh, left the university in uh, 2018. There were, the university went out of its way to uh, uh, solicit input uh, from a wide variety of people about who its next chancellor will be, uh, to the point of having a, a public uh, uh, various uh, means for the public to meet and speak with and uh, ask candidates uh, for the position questions, which ultimately led to uh, Dr. Riley getting hired. But um, I would, I, I think I was, uh, I guess I just uh, uh, didn't quite expect that the university would go out of its way to hire a, like this outside firm, NGT of America Consulting, to uh, kind of facilitate the process of uh, gathering 
feedback for um, this uh, uh, for putting the strategic plan together to the point of holding uh, you know, open forums and do, doing surveys and reaching out to you know outside of the campus itself. You know, going beyond the scope of just uh, internal faculty, staff, students, and administrators, and uh, going out into the community. With uh, I spoke with uh, Blake Rickman, the vice chancellor for advancement at UPIS and the, the executive director of the UPIS Foundation for the story as well. And he went into a, a bit of detail about the process, really. And uh, I understand that the uh, uh, university and GTR will be reaching out to um, uh, corporate partners out in the community as well as um, let's see here uh, and alumni as well and uh, just uh, to see what they have to say about uh, just to, to to allow them to weigh in on like kind of what the future the next five years at UFIS, uh, uh will look like really and I just thought that was uh, a really interesting uh, area of this process to explore and I hope our readers uh, feel the same way. And uh, yeah, and, and hiring MGT um, not exactly cheap. Uh, One hundred forty-two thousand, I think, from your story, is what mm -hmm. what the university invested in that. So, a heavy investment. So, um, it is. We're really grateful that the University of Arkansas Fort Smith Foundation has um, very willingly helped with that cost so that it is not solely on um, university funding. I'll just make sure to note that for everyone who's listening. And yeah. um, MCT is incredibly um, valued and respected partner in this business. And we received excellent reviews of their work and of the outcomes of their work from a variety of university leaders across the country. This is something that they do very well. And what I appreciate so much is their use of technology, allowing people to both um, speak up, but to provide information to them in an anonymous way. So I participated in the mission, vision, and values um, open forum that we hosted with MGT. And they allowed people to uh, not only participate by speaking up during the event and chatting, and so you knew who the people were, but they also had an anonymous um, line where people could put in information that would show up on their screen, but they did it from their own phones. So we have no idea who made those comments that they collected, and then which is great. So people felt a bit more free to say things that could be, in their minds, critical of the institution. The truth is um, you don't improve as an organization if you don't learn the areas of which people are, cri are critical, right? You don't make improvements if you don't know what's broken. So ultimately, um, it's not that our mission, vision, or values are broken. They're not. But it is a place where people think that they should mature. And I think that's absolutely true. As an organization, we're constantly and dynamically maturing and doing more and bigger things. And so this is an opportunity for our mission, vision, and values to reflect that to tell you who we are and who we hope to be, uh, the things that we value. But then as we go into these individual sessions or into group focus groups, our institution's administration won't be part of those calls. Um, and it will allow, as you said, external and internal stakeholders to give us feedback and to very critically, I think, analyze what are the needs within our region where we have opportunity, which I really, um, I just can't wait 
to learn more about their perceptions of that or the reality of that, not just their perceptions, <clears throat> but some of the data that I think this company will gather for us will show us areas of growth that we have yet to capture. That could be growth not only in our student enrollment, our retention and graduation, but also growth in our research and outreach within our community. That's um, our research and scholarship that we produce and creative activity that we produce um, really helps to define and to move forward every discipline that we teach on our campus. So we hope to invest more in our research and our creative activity. We know that our creative activity brings a great deal of quality of life to this community. And I think those are some of the areas that we will hear that investment and support will be critical as we move into the next five years of our institution's maturation. Well, uh, I, I want to thank both of you for joining me for this conversation. I feel like it's it's a, a real important to know what's happening at UAFS, and and uh, you've helped fill us in real well, uh, Dr. Well, Riley, Chancellor. And yes, I, I appreciate the opportunity so much. I encourage people who want to learn more to check out our website, uafs.edu, or follow us on almost any social media platform uh, because you'll learn a lot of things that are happening here through those um, forms of communication. And don't hesitate to reach out to us right here at, at the university. We're always happy to answer questions, help people who are deciding on college or maybe thinking about coming back to college. Our adult degree completion program is a great way for them to come back to college and complete degrees. Wonderful. All right. Well, thanks again. And uh, to both of you, have, have a great weekend. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. You do the same. Again, that's Teresa Riley, Chancellor of UAFS, and Thomas Asante, one of our reporters in the River Valley. You can catch his story on the university's plans this weekend. Uh, but we've got lots of other great content coming your way this weekend. I'll tell you a little bit about that. Mike Jones brings us a preview of the Bend County Fair, which is almost upon us. The fair starts Tuesday and runs through Saturday at the Bend County Fairgrounds out in Vaughan. Fayetteville City reporter Stacy Ryburn will catch us up on what's happening within the Fayetteville Housing Authority, which has had some struggles over the past few years. They've had some difficulty retaining an executive director. Their latest interim director just left the job on Friday. UAMS is opening a new clinic in Fayetteville for patients who still have symptoms of COVID-19 three weeks or more after a positive COVID test. Our health reporter, Garrett Moore, has that story. And the Springdale Fire Department is asking City Council for new helmets. Lorenda Jenks will have a story explaining the rationale behind that request. Back to the River Valley, plans are well underway for the relocation of the Foreign Military Sales Pilot Training Center from Arizona to Ebony Air National Guard Base in Fort Smith. Monica Brick will update us on that topic, including what happened at a meeting this week to discuss the environmental impact of the move. Turning to entertainment, April Wallace brings us the cover story of our What's Up section on a new exhibit at Crystal Bridges called Fashioning America, Grit to Glamour, on display now through January 30th. As always, you'll find numerous other stories in What's Up, including a preview of coming attractions at the Faulkner Performing Arts Center at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. 
Speaking of the UA, no one has better coverage of the Ricebacks. Catch our coverage of Saturday's football matchup against Texas A&M. And don't forget, we strive to keep you informed on what's happening across the wide world of sports, from high school to college to the pros. Again, that's just a sampling of what we've got planned for our readers this weekend. Be sure to check back with us next Friday for a new edition of the Northern News Podcast. And if you like it, please subscribe. All you have to do is hit the subscribe button on your device right now. If you're interested in subscribing to our newspaper, that's easy too. Please just go to our website at nwaonline.com and click on that subscribe button. Or call us at 479-684-5509. Thanks for listening. Again, I'm Dave Perosic, your podcast host this week. Have a great weekend, and until next Friday, so long.